2: It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood.
0: Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing,
1: boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And uh, we just want to apologise for oh, a bit of last week. that uh, It's been a bad we a, a couple of weeks. We had it? a shocker, didn't we? You uh, got a sore... I decided sort of to have leg thing
0: surgery, which took five days, basically <laughs> in and out of Melbourne, and then you
1: went down, came like down a, with oh, gastro. Mate, I was crook as a dog. Uh,
0: I'm not sure what's worse.
1: I actually think I prefer I'd, the ankle surgery. I'm not even joking. It was, yeah, my, <laughs> I, you I reckon you got painkillers for that? Well, I needed painkillers for something else because it was a very long few days. It was actually through our house, and it just spreads widely, doesn't it? Like it, it
0: does. It, well, it had been right throughout um, metropolitan Melbourne. A whole lot of childcare centres had gone down, and then. Yeah. Um, I did, I didn't, I did chuckle a little bit when you said, I, I just can't, I can't move.
1: <laughs> I was down for the count. Because like, you, were,
0: you were obviously waiting for me for when I, when I would get yeah. my ankle surgery and then I was hopefully getting out Thursday and I thought, oh, I'll, you know, record Thursday afternoon. I was still high from whatever they'd given me <laughs> for the painkillers for the-
1: the surgery. You were high, and I was low. I was, I was, I was literally. I, Kari, my partner, got it before, with the day before me, and she slept on the toilet floor from four a.m. till eleven a.m. Like it's, so it's that's just where she the slept. Worst.
0: There's, there's just nothing worse. And now, you can
1: see how the coronavirus uh, escalated so quickly with uh, when having people at people's houses, because, like for instance, it was obviously so. Not it still is highly contagious, and you can see people like how quick the gastro went through from the people that we got it off into, into the people that went into our house and how quickly it traveled through us. So you can sort of puts a bit of perspective on what could have actually happened if we didn't have the restrictions in, in place throughout the last sort of 12 months. Can, can we stop talking about gastro? I'm, trust me, I'm more than happy to move on to something else. Let's go. Let's get to a
0: bit of fishing and uh, outdoor news. Now the 300 series land cruiser Redmond has been spied for the first time um, during the week and, Basically, without any sort of camouflage, so normally when new cars are released, we see them totally covered by sort of different stickering, and it's really difficult to make out what the final product is going to be now this has been the opposite with with the land cruiser, which would and it has been spoken about for the last five years that there was going to be a new three hundred series because the the two hundred series has been um has been around for nearly 14 years. So it's good to see. I'm not sure it's necessarily everyone's cup of tea. There's been a fair bit of online feedback around the boxy design. It's ugly. Well, that's been the feedback. But (laughs) one thing that you know Land Cruiser do is record sales because people love them. And there's no greater example of the 200 Series – and the crazy sales prices that continue to be asked and continued to be paid for the 200 series because we all know the V8 is is disappearing from from the um, from the expected new lineup which has driven sales prices of second hand cars through the roof and quite often we've seen dealerships that have stock of the V8s selling them in their used car yard with you know 10,000k's for Fifteen grand more than the RRP for a brand new car, so it's been quite, quite extraordinary.
1: And they are a fantastic car. Like you can see why they are a great car. Yep. The engines in them are last forever; they just don't die. Yeah, so yep. you can understand in a way. I don't know if it's worth fifteen or twenty k more. In my opinion, but well, I, that's the thing that I don't get. If the technology improves all the time,
0: and Toyota last week spoke about they're going to be there by twenty thirty. There will be a um, electric vehicle version an EV version of their Land Cruiser and Hilux by 2030 so clearly Toyota as one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world um, have all the tech and they've decided that this will be part of the offering so I don't know why you'd be scrambling to buy an engine that's going to be replaced by what I would always assume would be something better an upgrade (laughs) yeah an upgrade so I
2: don't yeah. know, Patrick. It's I've had a few
1: uh, software updates on my iPhone that have gone south. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things that have played up in, in, the, in, in my time of having an iPhone. So you never know if your software update might not work. <laughs> uh, yeah. You've got some news around a sail drone. Yeah, a sail drone, which is used for research to map the bottom and numerous other scientific reasons. Uh, this in particular one was actually sent out to research krill numbers using advanced sounding equipment, probably just not your standard Garmin that you and I have or the average <laughs> punter has in their boat, Patrick. Maybe a little bit more on top of that. But uh, they lost contact with it uh, in 2019 and then it's washed up in Port Welshpool uh, on the beach. there, fully covered in barnacles and whatnot. And they were and launched from New Zealand. They were. They were launched from New Zealand. So three years later, it's found washed up. Yep, and they're 450 kilo and seven metres in length. So... That there is pretty fascinating. You never know what you're ever going to come across in the ocean, do you? Like no. When you're travelling traveling up the New South Wales coast, chasing marlin, you never know what you're going to see, whether it's sea life or if it's going to be a sail drone washed up on a beach. Speaking of
0: not knowing what you're going to find, a 271 kilo bluefin tuna mm. of Coffs Harbour
1: caught by longliners. Extraordinary find. Extraordinary catch. Well, I actually had this in to talk about last week, but... We weren't here last week, because <laughs> so, we're bringing the late news at the moment. <laughs> Sandra Sully with the late news: has been a two hundred seventy-one kilo bluefin tuna caught off Clof's Harbour. <laughs> it's uh, fascinating to see because it's not just a blue, a standard bluefin tuna for uh, here in Australia. Bottom of southern bluefin tuna basically travel. Uh, they say they spawn in Java, and they they travel around the bottom parts of. Um, uh, sorry, bottom parts of or Western Australia, right down yeah. to through South Australia into where we are, in here in Victoria, then right up to well, talk about uh, the New Japan South Wales as well. coast. Yeah, and they they're all, breeding around there as well. One species that we don't encounter is this tuna here. It's a Northern uh, Pacific Bluefin Tuna. So the Northern tunas, if you watch Wicked Tuna, I was going to say these are the ones that are like monstrous, seven thousand dollars a fish or something. Yeah, yeah? massive, massive yeah. money, and they um they. Maybe this fish here is just not common. I don't know. I'd have to check. I don't think as if there has there's not many ever caught in Australia ever. Yeah. So this is like a, f- a first. So it's fascinating to see our ocean currents doing some really funny things. Uh, and people will say, "Oh, things are changing and whatnot." I don't know if it is the lock. The long liners, uh, the long liners have caught this, and they've been long lining for a lot of years. So it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's just a rare catch. It's a rare I would say. Yeah. So yeah. and to be so big, how big was it? Two hundred seventy odd. Two hundred seventy-one. Two hundred seventy kilos. kilos. So that's a big, big fish. So. Uh, Northern Pacific, it is different to our southern, and our southern bluefin tuna don't grow that big as such. So you think about how many barrel bluefin tuna will get caught each year, which not a stupid amount of number, but there's enough to know a lot of data, and like my biggest is 152 kilo, yeah, and which is a monster, and that's a big fish. I think the biggest is up with 170 kilo, and that's one every five years. So, so adding
0: adding another hundred kilos on top of that, that is a that's new, another fish. it's a thought. monster
1: of the deep. It is, and it's going to pull some line if you get on a rod. Uh, speaking of tuna, Pat, the yellowfin tuna, it's great to see this time. uh well, I don't think it was this time last year because we're well and truly in the lockdown. But the year before, uh, the yellowfin fished very, very, very good. Yep, and it, it, there's some seriously good signs of these yellowfin that are going to get better and better. And with with the yellowfin, it's obviously uh, current-related, so you can look at your rip charts and use that to determine where the fish are going to be. But they are... Pretty big fish. They're up to that eighty kilo mark. they will be odd bigger and a few smaller, but they're they're hard to harder to catch. So they they are a lot of the time they're on sauries, and when they're chasing sauries, they're jumping out of the water, and that's that. You'll see the tuna. You you probably saw photos on social media during the week of tuna breaching out of the water, a meter out of the water, chasing these sauries. And how how I would like to target them if up there, is you control your lures, and you're gonna have no dramas trolling your lures but what I'd be trying to do is get in front of the school finch and uh, Patrick taking a little photo, cheeky video there, get in front of the school of fish and get a popper, Pat, a popper, a GT popper. So um, if you can get, sorry, I just said a GT popper. They actually are used for GTs, Pat, but if you can get a popper or a hard body in front of these fish and create a big splash with that popper, use the cup of it and that there is going to, Oh, And stick baits. Stick baits work really well too. And you're going to have your best chance, I think, in getting a few yellowfin tuna for the day. But one thing that happens in New South Wales, and this does not happen uh, on the bluefin down here in Victoria, and it happens in New South Wales in the bluefin run as well. And I admit there are different ways of these way these fish feed. And what they do is when you find the tuna, you want to keep the tuna there. So quite often on the radio, you'll hear the chat. It'll be like they'll say numbers. It'll be 38, 40 or 144, 22, whatever it is, the middle numbers, they'll actually tell you where the fish are because the more boats that come, it, more easy way to easier to locate the mass school and they can then cube the bluefin into the water and keep them under your boat. And you can have 25, 30 boats all in the space of a 50-metre footy arc all in there throwing cubes of uh, pillies in Which and is, catching yep. the bluefin. Where down here, it doesn't work like that. It's more of a secret such, get your bluefin because if other boats come, that, you don't I mean, catch you, them. <laughs> You're throwing things at other boats to keep them away. <laughs> You're, You're throwing, throwing your pilchards g- at them.
0: <laughs> Get away! It. So it's a different fishing. You want to fish? No, no. We're just on the bottom, mate.
1: It's oh. um, the bottom's moving. Forward, so. <laughs> oh Jesus! Swordfish. He, um, yeah, or swordfish. This is. Going to be, We're going to see uh, the swordfish captures, as well as the barrel blue fins out of Portland, which are fishing really well. well they're starting to get better, and we, we spoke about it a few weeks ago. It's only a matter of days before people go down there and actually do it, yep. and they've started to do it. Not a heap of fish there yet. Uh, we just had that full moon go by, which could have played a role in that, as it does. But in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be consistent. But the swordfish, a lot of people are going to be utilising the days, these autumn days that we had, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even into Saturday, 20 degrees weather and you've got still the high-pressure system sitting on top of us, and there's just no wind, no wind at all. And the reason I'm talking about this for is because the swordfish are so far out. I was if- going to say, for you, where do you think
0: the best place in Australia, or not necessarily best, but the easiest place to to try and target them? Because it's one thing to catch, it's another thing to go fish, but it's another thing to fish 80 kilometres offshore, particularly Plus, when, you're, when you're fishing in a trailer boat. Yep, and you're and you're driving up and around the country, whether it's New South Wales, Victoria, where have you? It's it's different when you're chasing fish in in seriously deep water.
1: Oh, I don't I don't think there's an easy option for them, uh, hence why they're not really uh, caught all year round. They might or be fish for all year, for, year they're round. They're not yep. fish, they're not fished hard. Like if you go in Port Phillip Bay tomorrow, I guarantee you there'll be 250 boats chasing whiting in just in Port Phillip Bay. Yep. you go on the swords. You need the weather, to be right, you, like when I say weather to be right, you need to have near no wind. And to have no wind 100 kilometres offshore and to know what it's actually going to be doing out there is another aspect of it as well. So you need these high-pressure systems that are really, really important so you can get out wide. But And like I said before, there's no easy place. You've got Mallacoota, you've got Lakes Entrance, you've got Eden. There's all those places that you can go. Marlow, there's so many places, but no matter what you do with these swordfish, you need a reliable boat, you need a reliable mm. engine, you need to have your service update engines. Yeah, <laughs> engines would be nice having two. I've only got one. It's a long way out. Long way on the way back in. If you, something does go wrong, but it's uh, it's a fan, they're the fascinating fish to catch. Uh, I was actually going to go do it at the end of the week this week, but I got caught up uh, with a couple of things. But it's something that I'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks. In a few weeks, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have a crack at trying to get a big swordfish because I think they are the ultimate fish.
0: Now, speaking of the ultimate fish. Obviously, having a boat, that changes the way that you do things compared to, um, you know, just fishing off the beach or just fishing off a pier. However, it came across our Real Adventures desk during the week of uh, a few different people using boats for things other than actually <laughs> fishing. And, and we had a few photos sent in of people actually transporting wood and it sort of got us talking during the week, Redmond, around, what have you used your boat for other than fishing? Mm. And you had an answer straight away. You're like, "Yeah, I moved me house last week. <laughs> I did.
1: When I moved house, I legit used that to transport my shed. I did <laughs> all my dive tanks, all my boxes in the shed. Uh, I didn't get. We had one fridge in there, uh, a few other bits and pieces. Just loaded the boat. It was a trailer. Well, it is a trailer. Well, it is a trailer. It's just it's a little bit a few holes in the ground. It's a it's a bit sparklier
0: <laughs> and it's a bit more expensive than a usual trailer. That's my only thing. It's cheaper than going to hire one. I had it sitting there. I use it every now and then when I'm working in the, like in the shed or something, and the kids are outside. As long as there's no hooks in there, I put Mate, them in the boat and no, they can't get it's out. So it's so a, it's a great. It's way so to keep funny you say
1: that. On Thursday last, oh, Wednesday last week, I headed offshore with Zeno, a good friend of mine. And I said to Zane, "I'm going to jump in the boat and do this. Do you mind coming over a bit early and we'll do some rigging?" And because I couldn't rig because I had the kid, and he, I said, to, "I chucked. I go, hold on a minute." He can't get out of the boat. <laughs> Meanwhile, I turn my back and i got my little door at the back. He's hanging over the back because he dropped his little sultanas down the back. And he's over that back trying to get himself over the back of the thing, trying to get over this door. So well, I had to actually put a thing to stop him from getting to the door. A little lock on
0: the transom door.
1: He thought it was funny. He had this sultana container and he just dropped it over, I'd go get it. He'd go back there and drop it back over, and I'd get it. Like It went for, buddy, 20 minutes. I got all my rigs done.
0: <laughs> We've got a massive show of Real Adventures coming your way. Now, your week in fishing, we straight post the break. I promise you that. Along with the social club, uh, all aboard, all our usual segments, this is Real Adventures.
2: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood
0: to real adventures your week in fishing redmond it's been a pretty solid one for you've you caught some great fish right throughout the week and one of the biggest pike
1: i have just about ever seen yeah so that pike was enormous i uh, caught it for a meter and it was 98 i think it was you weren't obviously fishing for giant pike not giant. i was targeting pike i was trying to get bait for the gummy session yep and i have caught a fair few big ones but not that big but
0: so why do you like
1: pike Pike as a bait,
0: because obviously you often talk about parrotfish being a really good bait, obviously Australian salmon. Um, yep. Why change it up, or is it just it's what you felt Accessibility. like doing
1: at the time? Accessibility, it's just I could get it. So what I mean by that is I had a couple of salmon in the freezer, I had a couple of in the freezer, but I wanted it fresh on the day for gummies. Uh, I always say frozen bait will work, and it does work. But I just come out the back of Bowen Heads there, and there's some reefs there, and I just trawled some laser just these little atomic laser, um, little metal lures. Yep. And I just trawled them at about three, three two to three knots, quite slow. Uh, and I just trawl around the back of the reef and I pick up hundreds of pike. If you, you can catch as many as you want. I think it's 10 per person. I think we call it about five or six for bait just for the evening. And the reason I don't like freezing them, they do hold pretty well in the freezer, but... They're so accessible that I don't need to do that. So yeah, I'm yeah. confident each time that I go out that I can pick off three, four, five, six of them in 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So it doesn't take long to get them as long as you can, as quick as you can catch them sort of thing when you're out there. They are oily bait. They hold well. And they uh, the, the gummies just really, really like them. Holding well, you mean the actual flesh itself once you hook it up holds well. Yeah, it doesn't fall apart. Uh, so you can actually run fillet baits on them in the ocean and get away with it. And you know that I don't like to do that. But salmon tends to get eaten quite quick because it is so bloody, where pike's more of your oily bait. Yep. Uh, it works. It, it's Well, the biggest gummy I've ever caught come on a pike chunk. So that there says it all. So the, it's, a, it's a really good bait. Like you said before, though, rats. I caught my rats off the bottom. I also caught a lot of yakas too. I had my burly going on the surface. I caught a heap of fresh yakas. And it's funny you say that. Out of all that fresh bait, I got it on the frozen salmon. <laughs> I landed, I landed two school sharks during the week. Uh oh, was this session and it was a beautiful night it was on Wednesday night and I headed out and I was just in close I was only in about 18 metres of water off the sort of down towards the Torquay and anchored up nice and shallow and bridled the boat up so what I mean by that bridled the boat to favour I had a sour swim with the tide going out so the tide was trying to push towards lawn way and uh, I had to bridle the boat so jumped up the front hooked the bridle on got my angle right because what the, what the reason I talk about this is uh, because if I had have sat just on anchor the natural wind and that ocean doesn't have a lot of tide, I oar around and your lines will drag back and forward and you a lot of slack line. But the biggest problem is is snags. So because you, you're on fishing reef, you think about it, if you were to throw, say for instance, you've got a heap of rocks outside and you were to cast your line out and just start dragging it, at some point it's going to get stuck. Yep. So it's the same thing as when you're fishing. So I want to stop that from happening. So I bridle up so it stops the swing of the boat. I sit side onto it. But one problem her having a bridle on the side of your tide is that you've also then got to be able to get that fish in without getting wrapped around your bridle and your anchor because yeah, you are yep. side-on. Traditionally, that would be the back of your boat as such. So we actually had the, the second school shark scream underneath the bridle and the anchor straight up the front of the boat. and I got Zane to go up through the cabin and I passed him my rod up to the front. And then it come back and it actually went that far. It went over the top of the anchor, which is a bit of a – screws with your head a bit because you're like, is it under, is it over? And you're trying to quickly work it out. So come over the top of it and come to the side. But what I did was straight away, as soon as that fish went up there, I undid the bridle and threw it in the water. So I went back to my natural position so I knew exactly where the anchor was and I had less rope in the water. And I didn't just throw the bridle rope in the water. I let us fall back to it and then I pulled the bridle as tight as I could without pulling the boat around and just tied to the side of the boat so it was out of the water. And then we landed that fish. We didn't panic, but it works really well bridling up in the ocean. And also for snapper in the bay, if you want to favour one side rather than sit, just uh, sit with your in around, it does stop you from swinging. So bridling is a terrific way to help assist your fishing. If
0: you want a little bit more information on bridling, make sure you head to saltguide.com.au. Aaron's done videos right throughout how to do it and why it's so beneficial as he's just spoken to
1: now. Uh, you got on the school sharks. Yep. They're beautiful eating fish. So much cleaner than gummy shark. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I loaded you up with some fillets too during the weekend. I don't think you've eaten it yet, but when you do, let me know what you think because it, I find that they're cleaner because uh, I, I believe when I've cleaned them, I've had cooter in them, I've had pinkies in them, I've had octopus in them, I've had, in them, I've had squid in them. Not often do I get that crabs. crabs and yeah, feeding crust, on the bottom yeah, of the... Uh,
0: yep. Which yep. Gen,
1: Which Feeding, I guess it sounds dumb because they say fish that eat shellfish are the cleanest ones, but I find that these, it must be just, they must be more active, and they pull a lot harder than a gummy, so they must be just a lot more active, and it keeps their flesh, and you can see in the flesh the metallic colour flushes. Flushes the system. Yeah, I reckon yep. it flushes it through and uh they are it's bloody but bloody sensational fish to eat it's uh you'll really enjoy it and just a light batter half, uh, one cup of uh self-raising half a cup of rice flour and a nice cold beer patrick that's your little tip there is that a yeah. sam goodwin that is a sam goodwin and you should yeah. take, and don't put it on a plate with a serviette on it because it will just soak in the oil get a baking tray and sit it this is my tip get a baking tray and sit it above a tray so the it doesn't so sit in the It doesn't pull in it. Yeah yep. and it crash and it cr- uh, crisps up so nice and you bite it and it's 10 times better than a fish and chip piece. <laughs> that works well. And the whiting went through it well during the week considering that stupid bloody moon. It was a huge moon. It was amazing to see. Oh mate, yep. it was massive yep. and it just it really stuffed those tides up but we had that swell, and it—it it, it, just the whiting. It just must be that thick. Like I'm going to head out shortly, and I'm confident that I'll get them bloody quick with these tides. So they, they fished well. The calamari considerably went well, uh, considerably went considerably well over that moon too. So that's good for anyone in the bay. And the barrel bluefin, and you know me with the moons. I hate the moons for basically nearly everything. And those barrels disappeared at that Portland Port Mac. We did not see a report, and you have got to think. Oh, was no one out there. There was boats out there. We had marvellous weather. The weather was yep. couldn't have been better. It's just the full moon. I reckon they feed overnight. So let's see what happens this week, and we'll report again on Saturday with uh, what's to come with the, on the barrel side of it. That's your week in fishing. It's time for the Social
0: Club, where we take your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it in for your chance to win a real brand fishing top and hat. We're giving away one every single week uh, throughout the next Month, maybe, maybe, maybe two months, Redman. We might just keep pumping them out. Um, <laughs> first question is from William Red. You got onto some amazing school sharks during the week. Any secrets to not getting bitten off by a school shark? So quite often, when you know you talk about shark fishing, Redman, you have traces. Obviously, there's the balance between fish can sometimes see a trace versus when you fish for gummy gummy sharks, you're more likely to use. A oh, high grade mono rather than needing to use traces. What do you use for
1: school sharks? Well, this is how good of I am as a fisherman. I went out there to catch gummy sharks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, it's school sharks. So, what down here, school sharks aren't prolific, so they're not an easy species to catch. And quite often, when you or an them, easy
0: species to say, I'm going to go target spend them four hours on school sharks, you can't no. just do that.
1: And yep. You, you can because I did it during the week, did you see? <laughs> no, it's, uh, so Portland and um, Port MacDonald and the likes, there's so many more school sharks in those deeper waters. are 70 metres. They love fishing out there and they get some beautiful school sharks on those reefs. But so when you go out there, you be mindful that you will get school sharks. We're here, I don't go out there going, I'm going to get a school shark today. I might get a school shark. I might get them five times in a row that I might not get them for another 50 days. Yep. So like, it's not something that you get every day out here. I set up on one of the reefs, I get gummies, and I set up there, and I was fishing the exact same way. So I was running 80-pound leader, uh, which traditionally gets bit off quite a lot on the school sharks. Yeah, But it's about uh, setting the hooks properly and using the right hooks. Now, the reason – I'm not going to go chase a school shark and put down a wire trace because quite often you're probably not going to hook it on a wire trace. They've got real sensitive nose. They will pick up that wire, I would say – where your bronzies, even some sharks at times, like threshers, they don't like y trace either. They can, they like, they don't like it. They they're yep. not a ferocious shark as such. So where they, Mako comes in and smashes it and screams off. They don't think yep. threshers a bit and more school, picky. Yeah, yeah, a bit more picky. So how you want to hook your schoolies is number one, is circle hooks. Running, I run seven o's. Uh, you can run eight o gamma gatsu, gamma gatsu circles, and they are by far. I'd have to say the seven o gamma gatsu circle. Next to the worm hook are my two favourite hooks. Yeah. I catch a lot of fish on these hooks, and I've never they never break on me. And if, if you do get one that's going to break, quite often, it's, you think about it. If I put a hook in a vise and pushed it sideways, it's going to break. Like on side to side, it's going to crunch. So if a fish crunches it, they've got quite strong mouth. That's the only way you're ever going to break these. They don't break. They just yep. they're an unbelievable hook. And the reason that I mean, the reason I say setting your hooks properly is, you got a lot of people uh tend to strike and you're one of these people you love your striking you're active fishing and I can see why because when a rod goes your natural instinct is to go bang and rip it and you want to let them pick the bait up in the rod holder and you'll see during the week and um, I noticed that
0: on your social media you really let it run I just sat in the
1: seat going Zane there's something on that rod
0: and it really like we're talking five six uh, seconds that it was going for
1: if I was fishing by myself I would have let that run the whole time why I why I cleared all the other rods I went and did my bridle and then got my net out and then I would have picked that rod up, as long as the line was pulling out. Yep. If it stops pulling out, I'll quickly run to the rod, get the tension back on. Yep. But you've got to let them hook up themselves with the circles and just let them go. Just let them go and wind, and that's the best way. And the circles, what they do is they roll into the side, so they don't gut. So a J-hook would tend to hook a fish in its gut as such. Yep. And it's far better for the fish. Yeah, and also the chance of getting bit off. If you've got your hook in the side of the jaw... The chances of that line, other than when it turns rubbing through the mouth, is so much is is hal- probably more than halved than having a J hook where it's hooked somewhere in its actual mouth because the line has to go through its teeth then, yeah. and the teeth are like needles. They were, I actually took a jaw out for Zane of one of them, Zane Zane collecting the jaws when we ca- keep them, and he goes, "Oh, can I keep a school shark jaw?" I'm like, oh, yeah, if you want one, and I cut it out, and it's amazing how sharp they are. Needle, they are so razor sharp. Another thing with them too is uh, your leader length because they are. I hope that the schoolies, when I do get them, they take the straight up and down rigs. And we've spoken about this numerous times, my rigs. It's got a short leader. It's a Patton Oster rig. And it's got a short leader with double the line because you loop it actually over the hook itself. So that also assists with not actually going through the 80 pound leader. So that there is basically how to let a schoolie. Our next question. No, we've run out of time, Redmond. Oh, I've taken too much time. We've taken too much time. So into depth though. That
0: that wraps up the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, send it into us. Uh, And if it features and we award you our Real Brand Prize of the Week, you'll get yourself a Real Brand Fishing Shirt and Hat. And this week, it goes to Will. So send us a direct message, Will, and we'll send it out to you straight away. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. All aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. Time for all aboard for Dometic, everything you need for adventures, big or small, Dometic mobile living made easy. Our special guest this morning is Josh Hammersley. He's not only a phenomenal fisherman, Redmond, but he's also um, involved with the Jailhouse Grill in Lonnie, beautiful Launceston, a beautiful part of the world. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, guys.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on the show this morning. Now, um, for those that are familiar with your work, you are and have some of the, the great videos, and I, and I love it because you've included your daughters in this as well, and and one that we are particularly fond of is a three-way hookup on massive barrels um, that must have been just one of the all-time great adventures, but we love the fact that you get your girls into fishing Josh, it must be an important part of your enjoyment.
2: Yeah, look, it certainly is, mate. It's been a, a motivating uh, thing for me over the last sort of 15 years now. Um, basically, you know, sort of, I guess, for what's predominantly a male um, orientated uh, sport or, or pastime, it's, uh, it's been good to you know, just sort of get get a bit out there to show that that doesn't necessarily need to be the case at all. It's, uh, it's and, uh, yeah, we've sort of been lucky enough to get, get some runs on the board as, as it's gone along,
0: so. Now, before, we'll chat a bit about the Jailhouse Grill a little later, but talk to us about your boat. You've got a beautiful Staby craft 795. How long have you ha- had it for, the electronics and the motors yeah. that you're running on it?
2: Yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, look, so I've had it for just on seven years now. Um, and, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, we've got a, a stakeout here in uh um, Fortunately, uh, yeah, you have been able to spend a bit of time on the water with my family, means we've been able to do quite a bit of it. So in the past seven years, I think we've something like, you know, five and a half thousand hours on it. So it's yeah, quite uh, quite a lot for rec- recreational usage. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, great thing. Uh, Twin one fifty Suzuki outboards, and yeah, pretty much checked out for the the Simrad gear. So. Uh, yeah thoroughly
1: enjoyed every one of those hours mate to be honest so <laughs> let's uh let's uh talk a little bit before we talk about the three-way hookup uh from last week pat or a couple of weeks ago sorry uh chloe i met chloe at an event here in victoria a women's in fishing event actually chloe which is uh josh's daughter how is chloe now actually josh uh close 20 now oh, that's so good. yeah it's uh, time
2: five well, alone, but, uh
1: Chloe's caught some magnificent fish, and uh, she, I think, uh, at the same age as what uh, Molly is now, who landed was part of that three-way hookup pat a few weeks ago. Chloe also years ago landed a barrel bluefin tuna as well.
2: Yeah, look, she did. She was thirteen when she decided that uh, she, she'd earned her stripes and wanted to go down and, and tackle the big one. So uh, that one went one hundred and twenty-one kilo. So uh, today, the to- still her, her biggest tuner. Uh, we've been fortunate enough now on the boat to stumble across, you know, some getting up around 150 or you know, high 140. So uh certainly been some, some big fish along the way. But yeah, as you mentioned, with the, the triple hookup probably 10 or 12 days ago, not that I'm counting, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> where it was late in the day, you know. We uh, we trailed all day and hadn't seen a lot of activity, uh, mainly trying to focus on, on the bigger fish. They don't have something else not here twelve months of the year so when they are you sort of try and make the most of that and uh yeah it was just basically on dark and uh they come up to feed you know the fight has just started to back off and the debate fish should all come up and I actually went live on my own like on my own personal Facebook page, just you know, friends and family and stuff that are stuck at work and, and doing all the the adult <laughs> things. Uh just, yeah, sort of get in on the on the action a bit but uh yeah, I mean look what, what sort of unraveled from there was something but yeah certainly never expected, but um, we'll be forever thankful for you, you know we sort of, as we, we troll past, we're on the southern edge of the Hippolyte Rock, uh, which is the rock formation uh, so six miles out from Eagle Hawk Neck uh, yeah, and as we've sort of trolled along the, the southern edge of it the barrel's popped up with some seals, dolphins and stuff as well and turned and came straight across our spread and I sort of, I've got a bit overly excited as we do, but uh, yeah sort of, as, as the the rigour went off. I'm like, yes, you know, and then double and then triple and then, oh, you know what? <laughs> because They all swam across each other and we had seven lives in the water at the time and there's only four of us on board. So, yeah, I, unfortunately, I was the only one not on, on a rock,
0: So, <laughs> Someone's got to yeah, be in charge the of the boat.
2: Of <laughs> oh, yeah, there wasn't, uh, <laughs> there wasn't much um, organisation going on at that point. We were obviously trying to go under and over and under and over and, back under again and, and get back onto the wheel. So, uh, But, yeah, fortunately, one of the hooks never thought I'd hear myself say that. But, fortunately, one of the, the fish pulled the hook pretty quickly. So that then gave us uh, two two. sides to get back on the wheel. And, uh, yeah, sort of short, probably 25, 30-minute fight later, we, we had uh, two on deck. So certainly a, a day that I'll never forget, that's for sure. Well,
1: take us through the preparation because Launceston – uh, down to Eagle Hawk you got to travel down there which is obviously a bit of time and I've seen a couple of messages to your daughter on your social media that said what well, was it one in the morning you said you're on the way to pick her up
2: <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's, yeah that's right I uh, yeah it's, it's about a three hour so from from Longseston. Uh but look worth worth every second I mean it's uh, it's one of those things you know, I mean you guys have been in Victoria I'm sure you know <laughs> you know all too well the travels. So, and look keeping in mind that he's literally one end of the state to, to the other, long obviously, uh, right up the north and, and Eagle Oak next, uh, far down south. So, um, yeah, it is a bit of a, a, a trek, but, um, yeah, I've sort of let, left my boat down there now, so Jerry uh, Nichols is the local charter operator down there and kind enough to lend me a, a patch of his grass the fifth time of year. And, uh, yeah, so, no, it uh, won't, won't be as far next time anyway, so... <laughs>
1: Something you, you said a bit earlier was the barrels aren't there all year round. Now is obviously a fantastic yep. time to chat, to target these fish. What are the months that you would recommend for someone to target fish, uh, for instance, that you caught yeah. last week Big Barrel Tuna?
2: Yeah, they, they seem to turn up sort of late March, early April, uh, and, and seem to hang around for a couple of months now. I mean, basically, if you follow what happens, you know, for them and that sort of thing, we seem to be a couple of weeks either side of that. Um, but... One thing we have noticed over the last, you know, few years is uh, a late run of barrels have seemed to come through, you know, around October. Um, and for some reason or another, they're predominantly bigger, you know, with probably an average fish at that time of year is around, you know, one thirty, one forty 140 kilos, the, the big ones that is. So, seem to come through with, with the whales uh, as they migrate. And, uh, I mean, what well, probably don't really know, I guess, is if it has been a thing all along or if it's just now because people have sort of, uh, work that out and, and are actually still targeting at that time. So there
0: seems, seems to be typically a couple of runs of, of them per year. Spoke about the travel, Josh. Clearly one of the um, the easier factors with the, the 759 that you've got is that you can take it right around the state. You can chase the fish. Do you reckon that's about as big as you can go when it comes to trailable boats and to be able to comfortably tow it to... Wherever you want to chase fish right around the state?
2: Yeah, look, 100%. I couldn't have summed that up much better myself. But the beams are quite wide, you know, like 2.2 2 metres or something, 2.3. It's, it's every bit as big as, as you want to be towing, I reckon, especially on our roads. Like, right? uh, once you get on the coastal roads and stuff, they're, uh, you know, quite narrow. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's certainly very diverse, and that's the beauty with it, you know, sort of got friends that have have got bigger boats that stay in the water and stuff and, you know, look, to we'll be able to fish in the northern half of the state today and, and then the southern half tomorrow, which, which, we do quite often. Uh, yeah, there's no, no substitute, mate. It's been the perfect all-round boat for me. And, uh, you know, certainly even with the, with the kids too, it's, uh, completely, well, I'm living, living proof that it's idiot proof. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> you, point it where you, want. Yeah, <laughs> you point it to where you want to go and it's never, never let us down yet. So. Uh, yeah, great, great boat. I, I couldn't talk to Davies
0: up any, any buyers, but Now, talk to us about Jailhouse Grill. It's obviously been a really tough um, twelve months for for anyone involved in in pubs. That's been clear to see with with how COVID's been. Um, give us a plug. Talk to us about it. What's your favourite dish on the menu? Because <laughs> we're looking forward to sampling uh, some of the cuisine.
2: Yeah, look, guys. Since this is the, uh, we're talking about fishing, or I've got to say it, uh, <laughs> it certainly isn't my favourite thing on the, on the menu. Uh, yeah, mate, you can't go past it, a scotch fillet, mate, medium rare, rare. Uh, yeah, beautiful. But cook on an open uh, charcoal wood fire grill, uh, so very traditional sort of style. Uh, the business itself has been going for over 20 years now. So, as you mentioned, yeah, the COVID was uh, yeah certainly a, a trying time. Um, you know, to be on the Sunday night, uh, you know, just finishing the roster up for the, for the following week, only to, to have the avenues that we needed to shut down the following day was, uh, look, it was devastating. But one thing that we can be sure of, we're not, we're all in the same boat with that. So, mm. uh, but look, come back, come back from COVID really well. So uh, now we're starting to see some tourists around again. You can sort of see that by the amount of people that drive the wrong way up our one way streets. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite a, an interesting thing. So you guys may struggle trying to navigate around, but, uh, yeah, no, look, it's, uh, come back really well, uh, you know, to the point that we're actually probably doing uh, bigger numbers at the moment than, than what we did, uh, what we've done in comparison for, for years. So uh, we certainly can't complain, mate. It's um, yeah, good to get back on track and, and start to get out and about and do some fishing again.
0: For more info on Jailhouse Grill, head to jailhousegrill.com.au. Josh, thank you so much for coming on Real Adventures this morning and talking about your passion that clearly is fishing and especially just talking about getting the girls into fishing. I think it's, a, it's an important part of any family to really incorporate and have everyone involved in, in your own passions and, and hopefully make it their own and the girls seem like they absolutely love it.
2: Yeah, look, thanks guys, thanks for having me, and yeah, you couldn't sum that up any better. It's uh, yeah, no substitute for time on the water, and uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely get get kids out, get them involved, male them female. Doesn't make a difference at all. <laughs> but, yeah, they go well. So.
0: Well, Raymond, we've got food set, we've got uh, a boat and a skipper set. So accommodation, the boat's big uh, enough. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready to go. We'll see. You in a, we'll see you in a couple of months' time, Josh. <laughs>
2: No worries, guys. I look forward to it. Thanks Thanks, for the call. Thanks,
0: mate. Red's Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you.
1: Time for Red's Review. Now, if you don't like, I guess, looking after your catch, then don't uh, listen to this because it's, might come across a bit on the aggressive side, but it's something that you need. Uh, and it's a, it's a bat. It's a fish bat in your boat. Yeah. And it looks helps look after your fish. Now, what I mean by that is you can get a Wilson Aluminium 18-inch fish bat from Anaconda for $30.
0: And this is not brutal. This is the most humane way in order to dispatch the yep. fish. It's far better than just letting it... Slowly die on the ground. Slide, uh, exactly right. Um, starve of, of oxygen. Um, on the ground.
1: Yep, well I know but I'd much rather be knocked out if I was put in that situation to tell you the honest truth and a fish bat, you need a fish bat because it works extremely well for the tuna. I use it on the tuna to knock them to stop them from, every time they go bang, 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 bang on the yep. ground, what they do is they're bruising themselves, they're damaging themselves, they're bleeding. So as soon as the fish comes in, you give it a knock, as quick as you can, get your photo, then you, you do, you look after your fish, you, you spike it, you bleed it and whatnot. All the time that
0: Brunswick whaler destroyed my
1: yeah, um, your old north The mate. inside of my boat, <laughs> which you might need a bigger bat for that. But, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but during the uh, during the week, obviously, I landed some beautiful. You school need a sharks.
0: grain. You need a grain nickels for that.
1: got <laughs> a great nickels! I don't play anymore. That might venture. <laughs> in, into the boat. But uh, I had caught those beautiful school sharks during the week. And the first thing that I did is you net them coming into the boat. I usually have a, a bit of a film with it coming into the boat, and then straight away get it out of the net as quick as you can or even in the net yep. you give it a knock on the head to knock it out so you can deal with it and start to bleed it so Red's review this week is the Wilson Aluminium Fish Bat they're about $30 for anaconda and I'm sure you'll find, uh, find something along the lines at another store uh, to help you out so you can look after your fish properly <music>
0: That was Red's review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Get a quote from Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you.
2: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip. One of the most important things, Patrick, to catch fish is getting your anchoring correct. You need to get your anchoring into positions, whether it's on the edge of a reef or whether it's uh, in front of a sand hole for a whiting or whatever it is. There's no point just throwing your anchoring and just hoping for the best.
0: Well, so often people just drift because either they're too nervous to anchor, yep. they can't be bothered to anchor. Or they don't have a winch. <laughs> or every time they do anchor, they end up... 400 metres yep. away from where they're actually hoping to fish and they just end up wasting their time.
1: So, basically, I'm going to today take you through exactly how to end up on in, in the right spot. Now, there's two examples today. First one is at Queenscliff. So, what I mean by that is tidal waters. We'll talk about tidal water. So, for instance, the tide's going out. It's running north to south as such. You're going to come in and approach this with a, from a south to north. So, you're moving from the south to the north. You approach it and what you do is you... As you're dropping the anchor, you actually get the boat moving. So you don't just drop the anchor and put the boat in neutral because what happens is other elements come into play. If you've got your boat slightly to the side as you drop that anchor, the wind then is going to grab you, and if it's 15 knots, 10, 15 knots, it's going to push you potentially 10 to 15 metres by the time you drop it in 6 or 8 metres of water, and you're going to miss that spot.
0: And this is really particularly important if you're fishing in finicky positions where you need to be on the edge of the break.
1: Especially somewhere like uh, down, down in Cottage by the Sea, for instance, where we're fishing specific sand holes. And if you miss those sand holes, some of the best whiting fishing, some of our biggest whiting fish here, fishing in Victoria you know, are in these sand holes. But if you miss that and you fall with the wind 10 metres, but then Bob, who anchors properly next to you, who's only 10, 15 metres from you, lands up in that hole, he's going to have a day out and all you're going to catch is reef fish. Yep. You're going to catch nothing. So as you approach... Line the marker, so don't worry about driving over the spot. Everyone goes, "I oh, don't drive over where you fish." Well, I've caught a fair few whiting in my time, Patrick, and I tell you what, I do this every time. So you dr- talk about me and head wobble. <laughs> There's no one with greater wobble. Just give examples. <laughs> <laughs> Approach it up, come from south to north, like I said. Get your line right as and as you drop the anchor. Your momentum's going forward, and as you drop it, tap it into reverse and go exactly back down that same way. Now, as you're doing that, when you do, on your screen, we've all got touch screens pretty much these days, and if you don't, probably time to upgrade. Basically, touch your screen and on the mark that you want to stop on. So if you want to stop on that mark, touch it on your screen as you go over it. Like I said, you've come up to that mark. You want to go past it to anchor. Touch it on your screen. Go past it and a little counter will come up in the corner and it will tell you how many metres you are from it. And if you're in, say, six to eight metres of meters water, say, for whiting, go about 25 metres because you go 25, you're tapping it in reverse, like I said before, to keep that momentum going in the straight line, you drop your anchor, your anchor falls, hits, you fall back, and then by the time you fall 15, 20 metres of rope, you'll pretty much be smack bang exactly where you need spot. to be. Don't just drop the anchor and stop, and don't go stupid in reverse like I see some people doing it. Can't process. You don't, don't need to do that. fifteen knots <laughs> no, Just you just need to keep that momentum shift going back that way. So that there is Red's tip on how to anchor, so you can go out there and catch uh, a few more fish. And it's now time for the flying gaff. And uh, you look, you're hitting one of your partners here, Patrick, pretty I'm, hard. I and think. I
0: and I love him. And <laughs> I love him. But this isn't Ford Australia's problem. I think this is Ford Global's problem because Ford has officially um, thrown the towel in when it comes to. The Ford Bronco 4x4 coming to Australia, and it shattered me, because I think it's the greatest some type of car looking or something. short wheelbase. Remember the Bronco? No. Most people know it because O.J. Simpson's driving it down the whatever highway it was I, when I I was. I
1: watched the documentary on him, so I know who you're talking about.
0: So it's not coming to Australia, <laughs> and it's really disappointed me. I think it's, a, it's been such a great project to watch. I could picture you
1: driving one of them around.
0: Absolutely. You can't fit the kids in the car. Perfect. <laughs> Can you So toe? the gaff this week goes to Ford Global for not letting Australians get their hands on the incredible Ford Bronco. It's shattering. But I suppose we've got the Ford Ranger, so I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> Th- thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. We promise we'll be back next week. No sickness or – No, we'll be good. Good health. We'll, we will be here. We'll see you then. It's time to go fishing.